Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast on The Athletic. Nice pass, Jokic! Not in my house. And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow. Rainbow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, your Denver Nuggets podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your fairly new host, Dave DeFore, joined as I'm going to be every single week by our Nuggets beat reporter, Kendra Andrews. Hi, Kendra. Hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm great. <laughs> I, I like that I surprised you by saying hello. In the intro. <laughs> Wasn't ready. <laughs> Before we get to the show, guys, don't forget, you can save 40% off your first year subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash Rainbow Skyline. That's Rainbow Skyline, just like the podcast, all one word. Go over there, save 40% off your first year. Kendra, I want to jump right into this because we kind of have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. The, the games are coming up. And finally, the Nuggets have all of their players inside the bubble. P.J. Dozier was the last guy to make it. He's finally there. Wow. It, t- it only took them, what, three weeks? Something like that. Something like three weeks it took them to get every single guy went through, I guess, 17, since there's 17-man rosters. But yes, P.J. Dozier arrived, I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. and in quarantine right now, but Check that off the list of things that the Denver Nuggets needed to accomplish to really kind of start this uh, restart for them. Yeah, we can we can finally stop complaining that they have no <laughs> guards because they actually right. the guards are there now. Um, so what was the holdup? I mean, you know, Monte Morris, uh, he also like we, we talked about him. He is integral to this team doing well in the playoffs. And, and you know, one of the last guys to get there. What, what was the story with with Monte? You know, the the team really did not give us any information as to why these guys were not there. Of course, there was speculation, the biggest speculation being about COVID-19. And, you know, Monte, he didn't say that he had COVID today when he talked to the media, but he did say he wasn't concerned. He wasn't concerned with symptoms and he did use the word symptoms. So doing some math, I would assume that he did test positive for COVID-19, but he is tested negative since then, passed all of the NBA's protocol to fly from Denver to Orlando. That's where he is. And, you know, again, speculation, but I can only assume that similar things were going on with some of, if not all of those players who arrived late. Right. And and clearly, you know, health is a big concern given the shortened training camp that they've just had these eight seating games, you know, the, the three scrimmages, Um, you know, I guess the 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 question that needs to be asked is how long is it going to be before the guys that are just showing up are ready to go? It's a good question. And I think it's not something we're going to know until we see it. You know, these guys, we talked to Tory Craig and Monte Morris today. We talked to Michael Porter Jr. after their last scrimmage, which I believe was on Saturday. And, you know, the way that they talk, they don't seem nervous about playing catch up. They said that they've been working out. They were working out in Denver when they were here, when they weren't with the team in Orlando. You know, I asked Monte Morris today and he, I asked him about, you know, the Utah jazz coach, Quinn Snyder talked about how it was an advantage for the jazz to be able to work out in altitude before going to sea level in Orlando. The Nuggets didn't get that opportunity because their facilities had to shut down, but guys like Monte Morris, MPJ, Tory Craig, 
um, PJ Dozier, they did get to work out in altitude. And Monte said that that really is, has helped him these past couple of days that he's been in Orlando because it's easier to breathe. He feels like it's easier for him to run. So all things considered, they're not giving us a reason to think that they're going to be out of shape. But of course, that doesn't equal good chemistry on the court. That doesn't equal polished basketball because they haven't played five-on-five basketball in nearly four months. In fact, the Denver Nuggets that were in Orlando, the only five-on-five basketball that they played before today in practice were those three scrimmages that they had. So really, yes, they might be in shape, but of course, rebuilding chemistry and figuring that stuff out is going to take more than those three scrimmages that the Nuggets have played. Well, speaking of the scrimmages, uh, Michael Porter Jr. played in a scrimmage this week. Um, how did he look? How did, how did you th- how did you think he looked compared to what he was doing before the hiatus? He looked really good last night. He scored, I think, you know, in the twenties, or I think actually no, it was nineteen points in just about twenty minutes. So I mean, incredibly efficient. He had some bounce to him. He was all over the boards, which he was before with this team. I mean, that was one of his biggest roles when he was kind of fighting for minutes is just go in and clean up the glass, which he did. And he had some good putback dunks off of those offensive rebounds as well. Um, he was battling an ankle injury before the hiatus. And he says that he feels 100% healthy. He did say that he tweaked his other ankle over the hiatus when he was playing um, five on five with some of his friends back in Missouri. But he says that he, he feels healthy and he looked it looked really encouraging. I know the people on the M- on the MPJ like hype train were there for it. So, I mean, it looked good considering he hadn't played organized basketball in quite some time. Right. Uh, and then, you know, Jamal Murray finally got to play. Yeah. I mean, uh, eight of eight of 12, three of six from three, uh, 23 points. Uh, dare I say, looked pretty good. Looked pretty good. I mean, listen, like everything with. With Jamal Murray is like, oh, he needs to be consistent. And so many times in the past, after a long break, you know, he'll come into a new season and he's not consistent enough or he's not the the Jamal that they need him to be. And like, if last night was a preview of what he is going to look like in the bubble, I mean, that's all you can want from your second best player, from your point guard. You know, he was knocking down shots, which has been a little bit iffy for him at, at times. He looked very comfortable and it really, you know, yeah. didn't seem like he skipped a beat. If that's the Jamal Murray they're getting, then they're making a finals run. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like he was really good. Yeah. I mean, we know what we're going to get out of Jokic uh, under usual circumstances, but one of my concerns about Jokic and this, you know, it's a scrimmage, so I'm not taking too much from it. He took one, one shot. Yep. In the last scrimmage. And that is one of my keys for the Nuggets going into the seeding games in the bubble is, you know, you, you need aggressive Jokic. So I'm hoping that it was one of these things where, you know, Malone was just like, listen, uh, just just feed everybody else. We got to get them going. Got to get them caught up. Don't worry about yourself. And, you know, Jokic, I think, is just happy to do that. Totally. And, you know, I, I we saw this a little bit in the preseason back in October, where I think he knows he's like, these games don't count. I'm just going to kind of go out there, which might not be the best mindset to have, but he's proven that he can kind of flip a switch and all of a sudden be like, okay, 
I'm here. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm going to do Nikola Jokic things. And so I do feel like this last game against Orlando was one of those games, like you were saying, where it's like, I'm going to get everyone else involved. I'll let it's, it's, uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s turn and it's Jamal's turn. A couple games ago, it was Bull Bull's turn. Let's just get everyone involved and I'll be there when you really need me to be there. Uh, another important piece for them, uh, Torrey Craig, mm-hmm. five of 10, four of seven from three. I mean, these guys were clearly shooting the basketball when they were, you know, waiting to, to show up to the bubble. Totally. I mean, what else can you do? You can't, if you have no, you don't have anyone to play against. All the coaches are gone, so you don't really have anyone to even play defense on. You just got to put shots up, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then um, lastly, I want to touch on on Bowl Bowl and just mm-hmm. his overall scrimmage experience. Listen, it wasn't perfect, which, uh, you know, the fun police on the Internet have let us all know. <laughs> uh, he he, But he probably looked his best offensively in that last scrimmage. And I thought the way they were using him – very much like a guard coming off of, you know, running floppy, coming off of uh, pin down screens, coming off DHOs and things that you just don't see guys his size doing. Uh, how do they feel about Bowl going into these seeding games? Did they give you any kind of inclination if we're going to see him? No, I'm really interested, though, because the other day, I think Tim Bontemps from ESPN reported that the NBA decided that if rookies play in the seeding games or like something like that, it won't affect their eligibility for rookie of the year next year. So in terms of bowl bowl, if he, cause this was his like red shirt year, let's say right. if he plays in these seeding games, it doesn't ruin his rookie eligibility. So he can still win rookie of the year next season. And so I'm really interested if that changes anything. Like, I don't think Malone is sitting there being like, well, we can't play him because he needs to be able to win this award. I don't think he's sitting there thinking that, but I do wonder if that's going to have an effect on how much we're going to see bubble. And like, they are very encouraged for where he is at. This was his first, you know, we've talked about this. This was his first time playing in such a long time, his first time playing against NBA competition. And if this is what he does, that's a great starting off point. And I think you're totally right. This game against on Saturday, that's how we will see Bobo play. We're not going to see him as a starter right out of the gates. There's just no way that next season he is going to be a starter. He is going to be coming off the bench and they are probably going to be playing him in some weird shooting guard, small forward concoction. And so I think seeing him in that role was also encouraging for him, them, the coaches, because that's what they're going to see him do. And I mean, depending on what happens with the health of their players, um, the minutes that Malone wants to give to certain players, there is probably a chance that earlier on in these seeding games, we may see a little bit of bubble. Why not? Why yeah. not? You know he's in shape, <laughs> right? Like, you know he's in shape. You know he's healthy. I, I would love to see them, you know, get him some run. Using, I actually think if we're projecting to next season, that this season for Michael Porter Jr. is a good indicator of how they'll use Bowl Very conservatively, in spots, mm-hmm. with an increased role if he earns it. Totally. I mean, I think if you're Bowl, you're going to look at what – MPJ did this season and see the opportunity that he that he took. It wasn't given to him. He, no. When he wasn't performing, he wasn't getting minutes, and he played better, and he got more and more minutes with quite a few people 
maybe even myself included, wondering if he wasn't going to be starting on the wing for this team because of how much firepower he's given them offensively. And you mentioned his rebounding earlier. It's been fantastic. So clearly Mike Malone is running a meritocracy, you know, for this team. And, and if you're young, you you can get opportunities. So, you know, I, I think if you're bold, you probably feel pretty good about your chance to, to earn a 15 to 20 minute a, a night role for them next year. Yeah. I mean, I think his confidence should be high and Michael Porter and Bull's journeys on this team have been so similar with both of them sitting out their first year due to injuries and just, you know, I think that, that that's really allowed at least Michael Porter to kind of just learn how this team is run. And I think it's done the same for Bull. And I completely agree. Malone is not the type of guy to give a player minutes because, oh, people are really interested in you or, oh, you you have a big name and, and you're a hot topic of discussion. He could really care less. All he wants to do is win. So if Bull's going to help them win, throw him yeah. in there. Well, and also this is a team that expects to to win games. They expect mm-hmm. to be making a finals run next year, I, I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the three seed this season. Uh, they were just off a Western Confer- Conference finals berth last year. Um, you know, I think that the progression of this team should be conference finals or finals next season. And, and so, you know, to have that luxury to, to be able to bring young players along and develop them while also competing. I mean, it's, it's massive, especially for a market like Denver that isn't necessarily going to go out and get an Anthony Davis type, even though, man, he should totally sign in Denver. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's look ahead to the seeding games. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, this team, you know, they brought back tall ball, which I think they should just lean into and and just play tall ball. I mean, let's just be honest. It's it was the most awesome thing that has happened in basketball in four months. Okay, (laughs) Uh, but that's not realistic. It's not going to happen. So when we look at this team and, and, you know, thinking Monte Morris didn't play, Gary Harris hasn't played. P.J. Dozier hasn't played. uh, Vladko Konkar hasn't played, which. He probably won't play, but yeah, right. We don't expect like, do you have any expectations on what the rotation is going to look like? Do you think Mike Malone is going to carry the same game plan that he had in these scrimmages where it's very evenly distributed to try to ramp it up as we get later? Or do you expect him to say, you know what? Throwing my five best guys out there for 35 minutes a night. We're going to try to win. The former, definitely. I think it's going to be a ramp-up thing. Actually, I asked Malone this today. We're recording on a Wednesday. I asked him earlier today, have you thought about your rotation? And he goes, honestly, no, because we d- we are not completely healthy. And he told me that players sat are sitting out of practices. They still have not practiced. Yes, every single roster member is in Orlando. They have not practiced with every single roster member. And he doesn't know when that happens. And he said, it feels like every day the availability list is different. So he can't really prepare. And I think that that is kind of like a stab in the heart for Nuggets because they finally have everyone there. And yet it's still not, you know, perfectly working out for them. I think based on that, even more so, he is going to play based off of, especially earlier in the scrimmages, who is healthy. I don't want to run these guys 
you know, to, to, to the ground. Will Barton's been on a, I mean, he's only played in one scrimmage in that scrimmage. He was on a strict minutes restriction. I think he only played about 18 minutes. And so I think that especially against Miami and a couple of the earlier competitors, you know, they play the Spurs, they play the Blazers, they play guys who aren't in the playoffs right now. I think Malone's going to use those opportunities to spread spread the love a little bit more. And then once you get into those later games against the Jazz, against the Lakers, against the Clippers, hopefully first off by then, everyone will be healthy because that's like right before the playoffs start. And second, I think that those, you know, those are a little bit more, I don't say serious games, but games with a little bit more weight to them. They're closer to the playoffs. I think that, and they're later in the seeding games too. I think Malone's going to want to have established his rotation by then. And that is when we're going to see the typical starting five of Nicola, Jamal, Paul, uh, Gary, and Will. And you're going to see them play for, you know, the 30-ish minutes that we saw them in the regular season. Well, one of the guys that we know is is ready to play, he actually didn't play much in the, in the third scrimmage. He only played like five minutes. But Troy Daniels, mm-hmm. he really has not been with this team at all. But he can shoot. And like that's the one thing you know. Like Troy Daniels, not only can he shoot, he will shoot. And there are going to be times where this team needs that. I mean, Gary Harris, who knows if he's remembered how to shoot right. in the last <laughs> few months? I mean, you know, he struggled this season. Uh, what what sort of like minute load do you expect out of Troy, given the fact that there are going to be minutes available based on health and and all the other things that you just laid out? I think there's a chance that we could see a good, a good handful of them. I don't think he's going to be playing, you know, 30 something minutes, maybe not even 20, maybe in the teens, like, you know, maybe in the twenties, depending on what's going on. And especially with Gary Harris, he is their only really true backup shooting guard. Troy is. And, you know, I think it depends if Jamal comes out shooting like he did in this last scrimmage, then maybe they're not going to need Troy Daniels as much because they're getting that shooting from Jamal if Monte Morris comes out shooting the lights out, well, then they probably won't need Troy Daniels as much because they have guys doing that. And like the reason why they traded for Troy Daniels is to get shooting power off the bench to come. That's his job. Come in, knock down some threes. So if they're getting that from other guys, I mean, like Tory Craig knocked down, like I think four three pointers in this last scrimmage. That's not what you usually see from Tory Craig. So if other guys who are already more established in the rotation are doing it, then Troy might get a, a couple less minutes. But I think that Troy having the opportunity like he did in those first two scrimmages to really showcase his ability and kind of say, Hey guys, this is why you wanted me probably helped him in his fight for rotation minutes because if Jamal was playing right away, if Gary was playing right away, if Monte had been there the entire time, they wouldn't have even needed Troy Daniels. Um, and so I think he probably bought himself a couple more minutes based on his performance in the two scrimmages. Okay, let's do the thing that we all hate to do. Uh-oh. And <laughs> let's try to guess what the Nuggets are actually going to do in these seeding games. Now, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at the schedule. They've got the Heat. They've got the Thunder, Spurs, Blazers, Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, Raptors. Now, I'm going through there and I'm counting. The Heat probably care about winning. Mm -hmm. The Thunder uh, definitely care. The Blazers care. The Jazz care. Uh, 
the Spurs, Lakers, Clippers, and Raptors don't have much to play for. No. So four and four, four games that that the teams really care. Um, how do you think they're going to do? Are they going to hang on to that three seed? I know they probably don't care, right? Yes. Yeah. At least Michael Malone doesn't care. We'll put it like that. I, I asked him about that today, and he basically gave me a shopping list of things that he needs to prioritize more than winning these games and hanging on to the three seed. Here's what he said. You know, uh, right now, I'll be honest, uh, I'm not concerned about our seeding. Obviously, having clinched the playoff spot, uh, my number one concern is health. Uh, that continues to be a uh, a huge concern for me, a huge point of emphasis. Um, so, can we find a way to get healthy come August 17th? Uh, with that being said, Kendra, uh, obviously we have to find ways to start improving. We talked about it before practice today. Uh, right now, after three scrimmages, we're averaging 22 turnovers a game for over 25 points. We have a total of 67 turnovers in three games, and over half of those are just from bad passes. Guys making bad decisions, bad passes. The other big emphasis is our three-point defense. We're giving up 14 made threes per game. Teams are shooting 39.3% against us. So we have eight seeding games to try to figure out how we need to value the ball, figure out a three-point defense while getting guys healthy, creating a chemistry on the court, and trying to develop some sort of rotation. So uh, we have our hands full. This is a, a, a tough situation in terms of bodies and who we have, uh, but we're trying to, uh, trying to make the best of it. So he has a lot on his mind of just figuring out how to even put together like a cohesive team, it seems like. And so, you know, it's hard for me to say that Malone doesn't care just because he likes to win so much. He is the guy who he he's he's a basketball coach's son. He is like through and through. This is what he does. He hates to lose. So it's hard for me to say, well, he just doesn't care about winning because I know that that's not true for him. Um, so I think he wants to keep their three seed but un, like doesn't feel like they need to win every single game in order to do that. Right. I, I hear that quote and I immediately think about the pessimistic coach that doesn't want to tell you anything, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's the natural coach inclination to be like, my guys are awful right now totally, and they need to get better before we even think about winning a game, which is true. I mean, they, they were turning the ball over. They were sloppy with the passing. Um, you know, there's an argument to be made that, Maybe Jokic should have should have taken at least the last scrimmage a little bit more seriously from a from a ball movement and scoring standpoint just to get into the flow. Um, but with that being said, I still think that this team just has so much talent, and talent usually wins out. And, and you know when the games matter, guys take it more seriously, and hopefully those turnovers kind of you know decrease. Totally, and I think the Nuggets have a track record of in this season alone pulling it out. You know they have been underdogs in a lot of games and I think there was like there was a time in February where it seemed like every game Malone was like well that was the win of the season and at first it was it was like on the on a back-to-back in Milwaukee they played in Denver the night before got in at 4 a.m 
were a couple men down and they beat the Bucks. And then it was, well, we only have seven players against Utah and they win by two points. And so, and those are just the two that come to my mind. There were other moments also during the season where it really seemed like on paper, it's like, well, the Nuggets have no shot in this. And I think they feed so much off of it that I honestly think when, when their heads get a little big, they don't perform as well. But when they're kind of counted out and, or at least said, well, I don't really know if they can do it. They're kind of like, well, we're going to show you that we can do it. And so I feel like that's a little bit of where they're at. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of come out of the gate swinging and do pretty well. I've got them at five and three in the seeding games. Which three do you have them? Do you have like specific opponents that they're falling to or like? Um, I think, I think Miami is going to be tough because Miami is just like a little, I, I, watching them, I think they're a little bit more ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say the same for Oklahoma City. Again, you know, the, the disadvantage of not having all your guys there. Uh, so I think that I expect them to drop the first two and then one of the next six, you know, just because I, I'd not anticipate them, you know, running the table after that. But it's very much about my expectation that they are going to be extremely conservative early. Yes. I can I- even see the Spurs surprising him in that third game because you know that's only you know that's a week totally. essentially yeah. yeah and i think that's a really good point i i would not be surprised if they dropped at least those first two games because as we've said either with the rotation with you know malone playing like you said conservatively with who he's going to play the minutes that they're going to play how they're going to play i think that's totally a fair assumption it's like let's use these games to kind of kick even more of the rust and dust off and then see where where they go from there yeah well uh i'm very excited basketball is back we're ready to go first meaningful basketball games for the nba in over four months and uh man i cannot wait uh that's gonna do it for this week's show for kendra andrews i'm dave defore don't forget you can save 40 percent off your first year subscription to the athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash rainbow skyline all one word Thank you guys for listening.